title of this message is Running Like a Champion. And that's in Hebrews chapter 12, Running Like a Champion. In 1983, the Australian Marathon was held. In that Australian Ultra Marathon was actually a foot race of 544 grueling miles from Sydney to Melbourne. And that year in 1983 of the Ultra Marathon, an odd competitor showed up. His name was Cliff Young. He was a 61-year-old shepherd. And unlike others who were clad in professional running shoes and athletic gear, Clifford Young wore baggy overalls, a baseball cap, and rubber galoshes. Now the race officials laughed, thinking that they were being set up for a joke. But Cliff Young was serious, and his name was recorded in the running roster, and a number was tacked on his back. And everyone who was there that day was wondering one thing. How does this eccentric old man think he can compete with these highly trained athletes? Of course, the spectators balked when the starting gun was fired and Cliff's odd gated shuffle left him in the back of the pack. But five days and 15 hours and four minutes later, no one was laughing. Cliff Young crossed the Melbourne finish line, listen to this, almost 10 hours ahead of the second place runner. The astounded media descended upon Mr. Young and they were all asking one thing, how did this nobody accomplish such a spectacular victory? And as they asked their questions, two facts emerged. First, as a shepherd, Cliff was accustomed to herding sheep, sometimes running all day and all night to keep up with them. So he was already being trained. And then second, he didn't realize that runners in the ultramarathon stopped to rest at night. And so Cliff Young ran the entire race five days, 15 hours and four minutes without a wink of sleep. Now, as I tell that story, I think it's a great reminder that Cliff Young had the primary attribute to win any long-distance event, and that's endurance. Endurance is the ability to remain steadfast in the face of severe adversity and obstacles and suffering. Endurance requires a never-give-up attitude and a commitment to see something through to the end, no matter the cost. Endurance is what gives the boxer his strength in the late rounds of the fight. Endurance is what enables the explorer to keep climbing the mountain after everybody else has turned home. Endurance is what helps the soldier stay on the front lines of battle and fight the good fight. Endurance is what enables the cancer patient to go through with one more treatment of chemotherapy. And twice here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2, which we're going to read, the writer here admonishes his reader to run the Christian race with endurance. Notice what our text says. 
Hebrews 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with, here it is, endurance, the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, here it is again, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, the reason why we need endurance is because if you have ever run a race in your life, which I have, several, there will come a point in your running where you will, as the coaches say, hit a wall. And what I mean by that is you reach a point of exhaustion in your body and in your mind to where everything in that moment is telling you it's time to quit. Uh, What are you doing out here? You might as well just throw in the towel. You ain't going to win. And usually this hitting a wall takes place in between somewhere of the midpoint of the race and before that finish line. That's at that point when your muscles ache and your side may get a sharp pain like it's being pierced by a spear. Your lungs feel like they are heaving and pumping battery acid through your body. Your legs feel like jelly. And at that moment, your mind is going on and on saying, what are you doing? You begin to question your whole purpose. Why am I out here doing this in the first place? I could be back at home with a nice drink sitting in my recliner watching a ball game. Now, endurance is what we need to run the Christian race. And it is what is needed right now in our current crisis. You know, at first when the COVID-19 pandemic began, uh, we thought, I thought foolishly, that this thing was going to be a sprint. But now it's turned into a marathon. I I foolishly and naively thought this thing will be over in uh, 14 days. Uh, We'll get through this and... Uh, Praise God, we'll be back to church and we'll just forget about this thing. It'll be a footnote in 2020. But boy, was I wrong. And so today, as we look at it, yes, we see that some uh, states are returning back to work, but many of us are still in the throes of this great conflict. We're not really sure how long this ordeal will last, uh, how long some folk are going to be out of work. Uh, I don't know how long churches are going to be left empty or when things might return to quote-unquote normal. We're in a marathon. We're in a long-distance event where we need endurance. Now, using the imagery of this foot race, Hebrews, uh, the writer here, encourages us, hey, keep putting one foot in front of the other until you reach your heavenly destination. And I like what Kent Hughes, one Bible commentator, said about this. He said, quote, Picture a great coliseum. The occasion is a long-distance marathon. The contestants inside, they include the author, All living believers presently striving for Christ and by mutual faith, he says, us. The cloud of witnesses that fills the stadium are great spiritual athletes of the past. Hall of Fame members, everyone a gold medal winner. Your heart is pumping. The sweat is popping out on your forehead as the officials ask for runners to take 
their marks. Every Christian that I know wants to run the race of life like a champion. And this passage, I believe, explains three ways we can keep pace and stay the course until our chest breaks over that finish line. What do we see here about running? Well, number one, I see that we are to run courageously, be inspired by the saints. Run courageously, be inspired by the saints. Notice verse 1 again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now the therefore in the beginning of this chapter is a critical transition. And every time that we study the Bible and we come across a therefore in our text, we should always ask, what's it there for? And in this case, our writer is actually pointing back to chapter 11. Uh, that great hall of faith where we read about the heroes of the Old Testament who lived by faith and conquered and, and got through their race victoriously. Now in the previous section, in fact, 18 Old Testament saints are mentioned by name and many others are alluded to. And the writer is very clear that all of them finished well. Now, these witnesses, notice, are not peering over the grandstand of heaven watching us run the race of life, cheering us on. They're not spectators. That's not what the text says. The text calls them witnesses. And a witness is someone who testifies of what he or she experienced. And so what we have here are great lives speaking to us from the pages of Scripture, testifying to the faithfulness of God as if they were to say to us, Hey, you can finish your race. Look at what I went through and how God got me through it. And He will do the same for you. So from Abel to Enoch to Abraham and Noah and all of those names listed in chapter 11, we can be inspired by their lives and thus run courageously. Now one thing that brings encouragement is when we attempt a dawning challenge is to draw strength and inspiration from those who have gone before us and blazed a trail. I think about David Livingston, that great pioneer missionary. He lived from... 1813 to 1873. He was one of the first European missionaries to endeavor deep into Africa. And he preached the gospel to tribes along his way. Well, Livingston's exploits garnered the attention of several missionary alliances around the world. And one group in England wrote to him saying, Mr. Livingston, uh, we have some who would like to join you there. Do you have some easy roads where we can get to you? And Livingston wrote back and listened to his reply. He said, if you have men who will only come if they know there is a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. And Livingston was the first to break through into Africa. And since him, hundreds have followed in his footsteps. But friend, uh, that's what we read about in chapter 11. Those 
who didn't have such a clear road. They didn't have an example necessarily to follow. They were blazing the trail for the first time. And I think that as we look back into their lives, we can drink, gain courage for our lives and run our race because we have examples that have preceded us and seen God do time and again miraculous things. And keep in mind the saints that are pictured there in chapter 11 didn't have a completed Word of God like you and I are blessed with. They didn't have those examples to learn from. Uh, they were, in a sense, making it up as they went along. All that they had was their faith and the promises of Almighty God. So, as you look back into that chapter, uh, you can gain courage and be inspired. So when I'm overwhelmed by a big project, I can look back at Noah Noah who believed God and spent 120 years building an ark for the saving of his household. Uh, when I'm afraid of the unknown, I look at Abraham. Abraham who trusted and believed in God who said, I've got a land for you. I've got an inheritance. And he ain't even laid a set of eyes on that piece of property that God said he was going to give him. But he trusted the promise of God. Uh, when I doubt God's power uh, to do the impossible, all I have to do is think about Sarah, uh, this dear lady who became a mother when she should have been a geriatric in a nursing home. Praise God. When I'm not sure about where God is leading me on the pathway of life, I think about Moses and how God made a highway for that man. It says, by faith they passed through the Red Sea on dry ground, uh, when I've lost hope and I've thought, oh, that person, they're utterly lost. Uh, they can't be saved. Uh, they're too far gone. I can think about Rahab, the little harlot girl uh, there in the city of Jericho, and I can be reminded of how my God loves to save sinners. Uh, the deeper the pit, the better. Uh, the more lost, the more He loves to save them. Because it gets more glory and the gospel is more powerful. And when I feel weak and I'm unable to fight and I think, Lord, I can't go on. I can't fight this battle today, Lord. I think about Gideon Ho, the man who when God found him, he was shaking in his boots in a cistern. And God used that weak little man to defeat the Midianites, the most cowardly man in all of Israel. And I'm reminded it's not about my strength. It's about His almighty power. And I gain courage and I'm inspired in the process, friend. Because listen to me, for every hardship that we face, uh, there's somebody who went through it in the past. Uh, somebody just like you and me, flesh and blood, a sinner, uh, those who struggled and those who fell along the way. But the Bible says they made it by faith. Hey, don't be discouraged by the length of the race or the height of the enemy, or the depth of the valley, or the intensity of the struggle. Because praise God, there's an old grizzled saint of God who said, I've been there, I've done that, I got the t-shirt, and here's what it says, I'm more than a conqueror through Him who has loved us. So first thing about running this race, number one, hey, I can run courageously. I can be inspired by the saints. And then number two, I want you to see with me tonight. I need to run carefully. Run carefully and be inspecting self. B 
be inspecting self. Look at what verse 1 says again. He says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Forgot my handkerchief at home. I should have brought it because now I'm sweating up a storm. Praise God. But we're told here in our text to throw off every weight, which really carries the thought of a runner shedding garments, throwing off unnecessary clothing or a burden that would hinder his run. You see, friend, there's a reason why when you go to the track, you don't see guys running in a pair of overhauls and steel-toed boots. At least I never have. In other words, uh, what this text is saying to us is that when you go out for the Christian life to run that race, you better travel light. There's a lot of things. Oh, they're good things. Uh, They may be uh, harmless things. But they're not fit for the Christian race. There's some things, though, that are distractions. Some things uh, that are going to hinder us. The Bible calls them burdens, weights. And then there's besetting sins. That is, sins that continually come back and creep into our lives. We constantly struggle with them. They always get our lunch. I don't know what it is in your life. I know what it surely is in mine. And the writer here is saying, hey, you need to be constantly evaluating self on this race. And you need to be asking the question, if I carry this along with me, is it going to hinder my ability to keep pace? Is it going to prevent me from getting where I want to go? I think about an example from 1845. Have you ever heard of the Franklin Expedition? Listen to this. That expedition sailed from England and the goal was to find a passage across the Arctic Ocean. The crew loaded two sailing ships with a lot of things that they didn't need. Listen to what they brought on board. A 1,200-volume library, fine china, crystal goblets, and sterling silverware for each officer with his initials graved on the handles. Now, amazingly, each ship only took a 12-day supply of coal for their steam engines. And what happened is, as they set out against the hard ice of the Arctic, is they got run aground and froze in place. And after several months of staying there and basically being exposed to the elements, Lord Franklin, the man in whom the expedition was named, died of starvation. But that's not the end of the story. There's an even more tragic scene. After Franklin died, two officers decided, hey, we can't stay here. We might as well try and go back home. And so they loaded a sled down and they made it as far as 65 miles from their boat that was run aground. Well, eventually in time, a group of rescuers was sent out to search for them and they did find them. They found those two boys uh, that had dragged that sled across the ice. And you know what they found loaded down on that sled was table silverware. In other words, they contributed to their own demise by carrying what they didn't need. All that treasure and all that materialistic stuff from the ship that they thought they could salvage. But as I begin to think about that, don't we do the same thing? Don't we drag baggage 
and sin through our life that uh, causes us to stumble along the way. I'm talking about sinful desires that wrap around our ankles and entangle us from running the race. Uh, Bad habits that constantly come back and and pull us down to the gutter. Uh, Grudges that we won't let go. We like to nurse them and hang on to them and they just get bigger and fatter and heavier. Now, I don't know about you, but living in these old quarantine conditions have revealed a lot about my race. And they revealed a lot of sins and struggles in my life that were it not for the, this hard uphill climb of this quarantine, I probably wouldn't have addressed. But I can actually thank God for what He's done in my life because He showed me some things. He's saying, uh, as you go through this hard run right here, you need to pay attention to this. You need to shed this stuff because you can't run for me the way that I want you to. I'm talking about anxiety over the church. Uh, God, are we going to make it? Uh, Lord, how long are we going to have to go through this? How long am I going to have to preach to empty pews? Uh, And God has to remind me, hey, Derek, it's not your church. It's Jesus' church. It belongs to Him. Uh, He died for it. Uh, He bought it. Uh, He's got the plan. And it'll be here long after you've gone off of this earth. God has had to show me a prayerlessness in my life. How I haven't clung to Him the way that I should have. How about this? Impatience with my children. Somebody say amen who's got kids out there. Because you've been cooped up with your kids more than you ever have. And suddenly it's revealed to you, I need a little bit more of that sanctification in my life. How about frustration? Any of you reach that point? Where you just vent. Hey, I've done it many times. Caitlin can testify. Where you're just frustrating. I want to go back to work. I want to get back to my routine. And we whine and complain. And guess what God showed me? Hey, brother, you need to repent because you're worried about things that you can't change. And you're missing it because I'm showing you things in your life that's weighing you down that won't allow you to run. You see, God has shown me things And if I keep in my life, if I allow them to keep coming back, I won't be able to finish well. And what about you? Let's bring this home. What are you holding on to? What's that besetting sin? Isn't it unforgiving heart? Hey, is an addiction to drugs or alcohol or some substance that you've turned to that you think will make the race a little bit easier for you? Is it a mindset of unbelief? Uh, you're just not trusting God. Uh, you're all tore up and bent up inside just like the lost are out there in that world. And God wants to enlarge your faith. Hey, listen, before we get back to having our freedom again, perhaps uh, there's some soul searching that needs to go on. There's some inventory that needs to go on in our cell and say, Lord, I need to shed this. Help me to lay it down. Uh, God, I can't run for you the way that I know you want me to. So help me to lay this sin down. And to leave it there at the altar because it's just a distraction. It's just a discouragement. It's just a foothold for the enemy to use in my life. And God, I'm tired of the devil eating my lunch. And I want to run. And I want to run long and hard for you, God. Help me. You see, one thing that I've seen in the Christian life is there's a whole lot of starters out there, but very few finishers. 
Uh, you might call them Alka-Seltzer Christians. Uh, you plop them in the water, uh, you baptize them, and all of a sudden they fade away. They're not uh, where they need to be. Johnny Tiller, pastor at Pole Creek, when I was a kid, he used to say, faith that fizzles before the finish was faulty from the first. So you got to make the decision, I'm going to be a finisher in this race. Pandemic or not, I've decided I'm just going to keep on preaching. Uh, good times or bad, I'm just going to keep on serving and keep on singing and keep on doing to the best of my ability what I know God has called me to do. I plan on staying in my lane. I plan on getting shed of some things that's weighing me down because I'm going on with this thing. I've decided to keep going because every night eventually turns to day. I've decided to keep going because every valley eventually has an end. I've decided to keep going because I know God says there's going to be victory on the other side of this. Don't give up too soon right before God has brought you the deliverance. I want to be a finisher so that I can hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to be able to stand on the last day like Paul and say, I fought that good fight. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. I want to be able to say that. And so we can, number one, run courageously by being inspired of the saints. Then number two, I want you to notice, run carefully by inspecting self. And then thirdly, I would remind you of this tonight, run confidently, be intent on the Savior. Run confidently, be intent on the Savior. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The last piece of running advice that we see here is to keep your eyes on the prize, which is Jesus. The cloud of witnesses may be encouraging us from behind, but out in front, there's the pace setter. There's the one who started and finished it all. It's Jesus who... We focus on, notice in this text, three things that we see. First off, this uh, passage talks about His race. His race that He ran looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Oh, praise God. He's the A and the Z of our race. Uh, He's the one who started it all. Uh, He's the goal to which we are striving for. And He's the one at the end of time who's going to finish it all Our race begins and ends with Him from our first step of faith to take up that cross to our last stumbles across the finish line. Uh, Jesus is the one that we're focusing on. And as you think about it, old friend, there's nobody that ran the race like Jesus did. It began in the Bethlehem stable and it ended on Calvary's hill. Uh, The road that He trod went through deserts dry and over stormy seas, and into a lonely garden. But He hurdled every obstacle along the way. A disease, and poverty, and persecution, and betrayal. And yes, even death couldn't stop Him from completing His race. Along the way, He picked up an old rugged cross, 
And the Bible says that he sweat great drops of blood. Uh, Satan tried to hinder him. But praise God, my Jesus, he never stumbled. He never sinned. Uh, he never turned back. He finished the race. So when the road gets long and the night gets dark and the load gets heavy, I can look to Jesus and I can say, He never quit on me. And I find strength from that to keep on going just a little bit further down the road. That's His race. And then I want you to see also His reason. How could He run such a race? Well, the Bible explains His reason there in verse 2. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross and despised the shame. You see, Jesus ran with an eternal perspective in mind. In other words, what the Bible is telling us here is that He looked beyond the temporary shame and the agony of the cross to the eternal outcome that would result from His sacrificial death. He looked beyond Friday afternoon to Sunday morning. And the Bible says there was joy. <laughs> there was joy in the cross. How so? Well, because Jesus knew that in taking up that cross, it meant salvation for untold numbers of sinners down through the ages. There was joy in it because He knew that in taking up that cross, that was going to bring pleasure to the will of His Father. He knew that in taking up that curse, uh, that cross, it would begin to reverse the curse of sin and begin to loosen up Satan's hold on this old world. Uh, he knew there was going to be joy because on Easter morning the devil was going to be sweating because he didn't know what was about to come out of that grave in power and in victory. Uh, there was joy in trouncing his enemy. And old friend, there was joy in fulfilling all of God's prophetic word and receiving from his father eventually and ultimately his rightful inheritance of the earth to rule as king of kings. Uh, you tell me, there's joy in that. And so Jesus looked beyond it and He saw the glory. You know that old saying, don't you? No pain, no gain. I can hear my daddy saying that to me all the time. As I'm running, working out, trying to play basketball, no pain, no gain. You think about that. A mother will endure the pain of childbirth so that she can hold a bundle of joy in her arms. A boxer will endure rigorous training so that he can one day hold up the champion's belt. A student will endure long nights of studying so that he can hold up his cap on graduation day and say, I'm going on to the next level. I'm getting paid. And the musician the musician will practice their fingers to the bone so that they can hear the fleeting applause of an audience. How much more then is their joy in serving the Lord Jesus? I'm going to keep on serving Him because there's joy unspeakable full of glory every day that I do it. A preacher may agonize over a sermon, but he knows there's joy when that sinner comes down the aisle to repent. A singer practices their song because it's all worth it when they see the saints of God holding up their hands in the worship service. And they know somebody out there 
is getting blessed. A prayer warrior will endure. Uh, they'll keep on praying for that prodigal son or daughter because they know there's going to be joy when God breaks open heaven and there's a miracle sent their way. And oh, friend, there's going to be ultimate joy one day when I can go to the throne of God and join all the angels and the saints of glory and I can take that crown and I can cast it in my, at my Savior's feet and then I'm going to experience joy like I've never had. And then I'll be able to say, hey, it was worth it after all. It was worth it after all. Hmm. Eric Liddell, the flying Scotsman, he competed in a 1924 Paris Olympics. You may have seen the movie about him called The Chariots of Fire. Liddell had such strong convictions about serving God in his life that he wouldn't run on Sunday. And so because of that, he missed placing in his main event, which was the 100-meter sprint. While the races were being run on Sunday, Eric Liddell was in a church preaching the gospel, winning souls and crowns that would be ongoing through eternity. But his day did come in the 1924 Olympics and he had the chance to run in the 400 meter sprint. And you know, when he got out and ran that day, he was the fastest human being on planet Earth. He set a new world record, 47.6 seconds, and he won the gold. Soon after that, he shocked the world. He announced to the news reporters, I'm not running anymore. God has called me to be a missionary to China. And he gave up that tremendous athletic career to go and win souls for Jesus because there was more joy in winning the loss than winning the gold. And after his winning run, Liddell was asked by the reporters, they said, how did you win? This wasn't even your main event. Here's what he said. He said, the first half of that race, I ran as fast as I could. And in the second half, I ran even faster with God's help. He said, God has made me fast. But God, when I run, I feel His pleasure. Oh, when you're running for Jesus, and when you're serving Him, and when you're in your lane, oh, there is joy, and you can feel the pleasure of the Father's presence in your life. And friend, the greater the struggle the greater that joy that comes when that victory has been achieved. And that's why Paul could write Romans 8, looking at death in the face with prison walls around him, for we know that this momentary light affliction is not worthy to be compared to the glory that is to be revealed in us. Uh, one day in a redeemed body uh, with new eyes, uh, we'll be able to look back and say, uh, it was hard then and I didn't understand the path you laid out for me, God. But now I see and I give you praise because that race was for me. And there'll be joy. There'll be joy in it. Up ahead. There's joy and gladness and rest for my weary soul. Up ahead, there's peace and contentment. And everybody will be happy and whole. I know I'll be home with Jesus 
where tears will never, never be shed. Though so often this road gets rough and rocky, oh, I know what lies ahead and I can go on further for God. You see, friend, the Bible talks about His race and His reason. But then look at this. Oh, His reward. The Bible says in verse 2, despising the shame, He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, precious saint, you think about that for a second. You think about the glorious heavenly homecoming of our Lord Jesus Christ as He ascended through the heavens and He passed through the first heaven and the second heaven and praise God on into the third heaven and to the accolade and the praise of the angels. I believe they had a song for Him. Hey, the King is coming. Uh, get ready, Gabriel. Uh, get that choir ready. He's about to break through. Make way for the King. And I think they rolled out the red carpet for King Jesus to come back to His rightful place right there beside the hand of His Father. And the Bible says, praise God, He sat down, not because He was tired, but because the work was finished. He said to tell us, it is finished. Praise the Lord tonight. You imagine that scene crowned with glory and honor. Oh, he had that in the back of his mind the whole way through that trod up Calvary's hill. He knew there was joy ahead. He knew there was reward ahead. And that made the journey a little sweet. Finish with this. In 1992, the Summer Olympic Games that year were in Barcelona, Spain. One of the runners that year of the 400 meter race was a British fella named Derek Redman. He trained for years to compete in the Olympics. While he was on his race down the track, he suddenly hiccuped and he crumpled over in pain for he had torn his hamstring. And he was folded up there in the middle of that track. He was determined to go on. There was no quit in this man. And so he got up and he started hobbling toward the finish. Race was already over. The winners had already been determined. And as he was hobbling toward the finish, a man jumped out of the grandstands and came across the track and he picked up Derek Redmond and he wrapped his arm around him and the two of them began to cross the finish line together. And that man that jumped the grandstands wasn't just anybody. It was Jim Redmond. It was his father. And this young runner leaned on his father as they staggered down the way to complete the race. And as that happened, the entire crowd stood to their hands and applauded because they knew they had seen something great that day. Something that transcended beyond even sports. And what I want to say to you and what I want to leave you with is this. Hey, friend, I know it takes all the spiritual stamina that you can muster to complete the race. And sometimes at the end of the day, there's not enough in the tank. Sometimes you stumble and fall. Sometimes things come up from behind and 
hit you that you weren't really prepared for. Along the way, we're going to stumble. We're going to fall. And we're going to face discouragement. And there are times when you'll doubt God and you'll question your path. And you'll say, this ain't worth it. I'm going to quit. And you'll get weary. But here's the good news. Oh, praise God tonight. You know where I'm going. We don't run this race alone. Uh, His name is Jesus. Uh, He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And when we fall and when we get weary and we can't go one more step, uh, Jesus comes along. He's done it for me. And He's dusted me off. And He's picked me up. And He said, now, son, let's go a little bit further. I know you can go more for me. And praise God, I can run like a champion because I've got Jesus in my life. I've got Jesus. And Jesus... Oh, I can't boast in Derek McCarson. I can't boast in myself or uh, pound my chest and say, look at what I did. No, because it was Jesus that carried me over in the victory and in eternity. I'm going to make sure that I'm not there empty-handed. I'm going to have something to toss at His feet and say, oh, Lord, I couldn't have made it without You. Oh, Lord, I wouldn't have made it if You hadn't come and picked me up. Oh, Jesus, I want, I want to give up if You wasn't so strong and never gave up on me. And praise God, You can run this race. However long God has allotted for you, oh, in the power of His name, you can do it. And I can do it. And I've decided... I'm going all the way with Him. As long as I've got Him, I can go a little bit further. Lord, we love You tonight. We thank You, Jesus, that You come alongside of us. That You pick us up and You carry us along. Lord, You help us to finish this race. We thank You, Lord, because we can't do it. You know our weakness. You've been in touch by our infirmities. God, You know what we're going to face. We thank You, Lord, that we have an ever-present Helper, the Holy Spirit. And that we have Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, no matter how long You've asked us to go through this ordeal, or if You've asked us one day to bear up under cancer, or persecution, or life without food and drink, whatever the race course is for us, Lord, we can run like a champion because you are in our corner Lord I pray God that this was a blessing to somebody out there Lord I pray that you would encourage that saint of God out there who's thinking about quitting I ask this prayer in Jesus name Amen